pledge allegiance to the band. It may perhaps discourage you, unless of your kidney, or infected with this vicious virus, that you'll be ordered to pay a fine of 75 pounds. I'll pay now, to go boys. Just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder. These guys would have it. Welcome to Movies at Rock, a rock and roll journey through cinema. I'm your host, Josh Fitzgerald, and returning to the guest chair tonight for the um, for the third time now. I'm excited to have him back. This is Aaron Kahn. How are you, Aaron? Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Of course. Any anytime. My pleasure to have you. And, and as, as you know, Aaron is the host of um, Albums Uncovered, a podcast that I frequently use as a reference um, when I am ex- exploring music that is both familiar and unfamiliar to me, studying classic albums and um, really showing a, a lot of love and reverence towards them. Thank you for all the work you've put into that particular show. I'm, I really enjoy it. We're actually celebrating a 50th anniversary this evening with the movie that we're going to be talking about. 1971, the film 200 Motels was released, and uh, that's currently celebrating its 50th anniversary. And I'm really glad that you suggested this one and brought this into my into my orbit because it's one I've obviously heard so much about. I'm I'm relatively familiar with Frank Zappa's catalog, and um, but I don't know that I would have actually taken the time to watch it had had you not suggested this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a time, and I mean, we'll we'll get in depth at this, but uh, mm-hmm. as an overview of this whole thing, Two Hundred Motels isn't, or for that matter, the whole Flo and Eddie era of the mothers and Frank's career. Mm-hmm. really isn't an area that too many uh, diehard fans uh, explore because mm-hmm. uh, they don't too care they don't care too much for the material uh, maybe some of the humor and mm-hmm. I can see where I can see where they're coming from but at the same time it's just such as I mean the fact that he was able to make a movie and this was after uh, failed attempts at trying to do other movie projects um mm-hmm. that came out in some way shape or form but like years and years after 200 motels came out and just uh the cast is so unique and it i mean it's not a great it's not up there as one of the great rock movies of all time mm-hmm. or anything but it's just like this interesting piece of history and uh, I mean, the cast is very eclectic, and uh, I mean the the story, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I just love it that <laughs> it's just it's just so weird and so unique. When I tagged on Facebook to say I was watching it, uh, I just put, you know, too long didn't read. Yeah, this is better than any of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> I can get behind that. When I was watching it, I kept thinking to myself, this is like the monkey's head, but raunchy. Yes. Yes. It's, there, there's a lot of, com- there's, this movie shares a lot in common with head. It does. I, I, I kind of almost want to say that maybe had maybe inspired it in some ways because Frank Zappa was in head, even oh, a yeah, cameo in that. And, and so I'm wondering, I'm like, hmm, I wonder how much of that like actually inspired this. <laughs> 
but it, but obviously this is a, a much more R-rated version of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> the the humor definitely at times I will say just on a personal level it it did kind of like veer into a little like puerile for my personal taste at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um I mean for the most part I enjoyed it. I it, it's a visual treat that's for sure. Like there's so many mm-hmm. crazy effects and that were you know and and just the the way that it was filmed was was a bit groundbreaking for the time mm-hmm. and, um so on that level i very much enjoyed it you know I, I i could take relief some of the you know some of the vignettes you know just because it's you know not necessarily my personal taste but but as a film i i really respect it i enjoyed it a lot and um yeah i'm really glad i watched it okay yeah. All right. I guess I can get started with saying how I got into Frank Zappa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which um, I'm going to say was around. I mean, I remember uh, it probably been like 2004, more so 2005, where I was just browsing on iTunes, other discographies. And for some artists on iTunes, I mean, now it's all different. Right? I think it's like when they don't have anything like special for any of the smaller artists, it's just left to a back then it was like a purple page and then just all the albums that they had listed. Mm. Uh, sometimes they would put like an, like the artist's picture on, on there okay. and it would be like mm. a, and it would be like a different color and there would be like different sections devoted to them and all sorts of things. And one of them was Frank Zappa. And uh, I mean, I looked at how much, <laughs> how many albums he had. I'm thinking, Oh, there's something I can get into. I mean, because at that point, like in 2005, I mean, it's really hard for me to say. I, I would say it's safe to say it was both. Uh, like what got me into some of the the artists that I got into? I mean, this was also around the time where I got into Uriah Heep. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, I'm thinking it was more so because I think, I think it's two things. One, I think I was, I mean, like over the years of my generation that people were getting into these bands, like with every, um, you know, every so often we would always find a way of making a comeback, whether it be the school of rock movie, the guitar hero games, or just the songs use in a TV show or a movie. And then, uh, I mean like some of the people, I guess some of my peers were getting into like, there were some people that were into The Who or Zeppelin. And then it, it just kind of, I mean, I like those bands, but I'm just like, eh, okay, I want to get into something a little bit different here. Yeah. So maybe I was trying to like, like I want to be a little bit different here. And then, and then, um, and then, you know, minutes later I'm thinking, okay, why can't I find anybody else who likes your eye heap? Because I'm digging <laughs> too deep. I'm digging <laughs> way too deep here with all these obscure bands. Why do you think nobody knows these? Or, or is it because I'm trying to imp- and the other thing is, I may have been trying to impress, you know, like uh, adults, quote unquote, or older. What am I doing to impress them? Or do I legitimately like the music? And I can say that, yes, I legitimately like the music. So I think it was a little bit of both. And just, just trying to find like an alternative for like, I mean, even sometimes, I mean, even though I love the Beatles, I mean, sometimes I'll, I mean, like I'll want to listen to maybe like uh Wings album sometimes over Beatles album sometimes, but it's just like because some of the stuff just gets so talked about and whatever. So I'm 
where I'm going with this is that it was around that time that I found out about Frank Zappa. And I can remember reading an issue of Rolling Stone magazine, and there was this section on a school of rock type program in some state. Mm-hmm. And they did like a little blurb on it, and they interviewed a couple of the kids, and they asked them who their favorite bands were. And one kid said that he loved Frank Zappa, and that he was so weird, and, wow. <laughs> uh, and that uh, just really unique. And I just thought, Frank Zappa, yeah. And I saw that guy has a lot of albums. Now, uh, I looked at all the albums and I thought, well, I mean, where do I mean, where do I start here? So I go on <laughs> right. the Zappa board and I just say, where to start here? And they just said, oh, you should do this, then the other. I went by one guy's list or I just took into account other things that other people were saying. And I just saved that list. And I went, all right, I'll go with this and uh, see where this goes. Because the thing is, is that um, ever since I got my first iPod in 2004, even though I, I put an end to this in, uh, I want to say the summer 2014, but for like almost a good 10 years, my grandparents, my dad's parents, they would give me allowance to spend, mm-hmm. or $10 allowance to spend each month on stuff for iTunes. And that would usually be the cost of an album. So mm-hmm. uh, when I would get very indecisive, about uh picking what albums so i didn't have to do too much thinking yeah for this like okay get the next thin lizzie album get this so i was getting into his albums and i got about like four before going over uh the camp for 2006 which i that was the first time i stayed for four year and i got apostrophe on cd Mm. Uh, and then when i came back all the zappa stuff had been taken down oh wow so i had to go out to the record stores and uh not by myself but i had to just any zap album i could find i i grabbed it and um i mean at least at least two i would pick up if i saw look there was a whole slew of them remember Mm. like 2008 towards the end like not towards the end of 2008 but it was like towards the end of sam goodies oh Uh, it was like uh there were like all these Zap albums, and I went, "Oh wow, there's a lot here." So I went, <laughs> so I went there like one month. Can I get these? Okay, then I came back like another couple. Can I get these now? And then I think it was like May of 2008. Gone. <laughs> Sam Goodies was gone. Wow, just like just like, like that. <laughs> but I would just try and I mean, at any camp trip that we made to the mall, I would always make sure. Okay, got to check and Z for Zappa. And I would always see the same things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need them. And then, uh, yeah, I just became really interested in it because it, I always fell back on Zappa because I just liked how unique the music was and how he was able to use humor in his music and how the guy was able to just be completely silly in one moment and then show off his incredible guitar playing chops on right. the other. And to the point where this guy could even compose orchestral bits, I think my interest in like all the this bizarre, the avant-garde outsider stuff like Yoko and Beefheart, yeah, I think that may originate from. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but I think it's a good starter here or there. I think it may come from my dad's interest in uh, Broadway musicals, or maybe I'm just, or maybe it's just natural that I'm into weird stuff. Interesting. I mean, wow. sometimes it wouldn't, it wouldn't always register with me the first time, and I'm going, now I can't get this. But then you go back to it and go, oh, yeah, now I really like it. But I think that was like 
the starter for me. So yeah, I really liked Zappa. Hmm. And he was like, if I wanted something weird or whatever, I would always go to him and I would just have just so much music of his. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't even wrap my head around how much music he has. It's just, I don't know. Have you, have you heard every album that he's made? Uh, no, I can't say I've heard every, I mean, it's hard to say which albums are his because the Zappa state have numbered everything, including live albums. And then there are those out mostly studio albums that do have a live track here or there. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say which ones are which, but I would say for the most part, I have heard most of his studio albums and own most of them. But, uh, that one, that's pretty live, amazing. Yeah. But the lot, I, I mean, I probably have like, oh geez, I can probably, if I can, well, I'll take a guess. I probably have at least over 30 of his stuff. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Even though that's only like a third of his overall catalog, that's still really impressive. And I yeah. try to collect what I can on vinyl because whatever I can get on vinyl is good too. And then mm. once you find out that, oh, wait, he remixed his albums. Like the, the, mm. the Ryko discs were going out of print right? Uh, whenever I was getting... The Ryko disc ones were going out of print, so I just nabbed anything I could. And then 2012 comes along, and I thought, oh, no, I don't need these. And then I found out online, wait, Frank did what? He put, re- what's reverb? Now, that's what he would, hmm. he remixed some of those albums. I'm like, okay, well, that explains why this album always, so I'm like, wait, do I need to buy these again? Well, not all of them. I just thought, eh, I'll just stick with what I have and not think too much about it. But over the years, yeah. I have repurchased a few, few of those albums just so I can hear those original mixes. And yeah, I can hear, like, uh, like the 1970s stuff is where he really started adding the reverb on a couple of the older albums, and they sound much better without it. Um, but yeah, I've even gone to the extent of, like, yeah, I'll repurchase it. I'll go ahead and repurchase them, even though mm-hmm. it's only the ones where I can really hear a distinctive difference. But I, but yeah, I really liked Zappa. Now, um, as far as with this movie, I kind of always held off on it because, well, the movie wasn't available in its entirety. And even if it was, eh, maybe I would have watched it. I mean, at, mm-hmm. at this time, this was eighth grade, so I would have been 14 years old when I got into Zappa. 200 motels is rated R. Yeah, this I mean, would be pretty uh, <laughs> pretty so racy I, for a 14-year-old. I mean, you know, it's not that we don't I know mean, what I, this stuff is, but... Had it, had I found it somehow during those years before I turned 17, I probably could have gotten away with just watching it because, you know, I mean, I mean, it deserves its R rating, but I mean... Yeah. Well, I could probably just watch it and nobody would notice <laughs> just like like that, that kind of thing. But I would ne- I could never find it because there would always be people trying to take it down. Uh, the movie was unavailable. It's still kind of unavailable for the most part as far as with the physical format. And um, it's uh, so I would just wait for somebody to put it up on uh, YouTube or any video sharing website. And it was around 2009 that I was able to find it in its entirety in three parts with with subtitles. I didn't care. I found the whole movie. Once I found it, I downloaded it with a real player downloader just in case it got taken down. 
Mm-hmm. And I watched all the parts. I think this is like early 2009 or so. I mean, the video quality wasn't that great. But uh, and yeah, there were some parts where I'm thinking, I don't get, I, I can't get into this. But then there were other parts where I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And then once it was all done, I'm, I just couldn't stop thinking about the movie. It's just, I just kept thinking about it, just like, wow, that was a, which is, I think, it was, <laughs> which is the intrigue of, uh, cult classic movies, which I think this is very yeah. much is. I mean. Zappa himself is, has a cult following, um, right? But in the terms of cult classics, it, it there's like a cult classic film. It's a movie that you may not care for too much on the first viewing, but then it kind of sticks with you, and you just mm. can't. You don't know why, and then I, you watch it more and more, and then uh, you end up loving it. I feel like once I know if when I watch it again, once I know what I'm in for. I'll be more prepared for it and be like, okay, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all the, like the, the, the uh, barrage of penis references, like <laughs> two thirds of the way into the movie, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I was a little unprepared for, even though I, I should have probably expected it knowing it was Zappa, but I was like, oh, wow. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I came in kind of prepared for it because mm. when there weren't the full, when the full movie wasn't there, there were some of the performances in the movie. Oh yeah, and yeah, that was that was one of them that came up. Uh, was uh, the whole skit with penis dimensions, and mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> I'm just, like, what is this? And yeah, I'm seeing that, and I didn't care what the reviews said that people just don't care for this, and people didn't care for it or didn't think too much of it. And right. When I was watching the movie, I was thinking, well, yeah, I can see where those people are coming from, and now I can see that some people are not really crazy about this era of uh frank's uh life but um i eventually bought the album and again the album still very hard to find but i was able to find a copy on ebay around that time for like uh, it was probably a couple months later i found it for like i think it was an auction or maybe i purchased it but Hmm. good thing i got it because afterwards it just went lost into obscurity and the only thing that you could find at 200 motels was uh, a set called the 200 Motel Suite or a promotional copy, which I don't think was the full album. Uh, okay. When reissued in 1997 by Ryko Disc, but at the time we're rec- recording this now, there is a new reissue that has been announced because the Zappa Family Trust now have the rights to the music. Because that's one of the things why the movie hasn't been released, so, because the Zappa State doesn't own it. Oh, but, okay. But now they, but now they do with the with the music. I don't know about the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, now when people say that they don't like that, that they really don't care for this era of Zappa, they got good reasons. Because mm-hmm. when you look at Zappa's career prior to this, I mean, prior to 200 Motels, he had been with the Mars Invention since 1965. And from then until 1968 or nine. That was the first era of the mothers. Then he split. Then they broke up. But then a couple months later, he reformed with a com- almost an entirely new band, still called the Mothers. Yeah. Uh, and with the original Mothers, uh, those albums, Freak Out, Absolutely Free, We're In It For The Money, uh, and then a couple of others, which you can throw in there. But I mean, those first three are like amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, really people, are. the reasons for liking those. 
people had their, their reasons like for liking that era of the mothers because it was smart satire. Yes. Uh, I mean, Zappa was attacking every uh, cultural group that was out there, the hippies, uh, the politicians. And it was, well, it could be very silly and very weird. Okay, so he decides to split the mothers. He made Hot Rats, almost all instrumental album. And then he decided, okay, I'm going to reform the mothers. And yeah, there were a couple of people that were left over. Maybe George Duke was in one version of it. Don Preston, I think, was in there. But he was also with people like Ainsley Dunbar. And uh, special, the two standouts in the band were uh, Howard Kalen and Mark Volman, or Flo and Eddie from the Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, that they were the now new front men for the mothers. And now the material, while they were still performing the older songs, the new material was kind of leaning more towards the juvenile side. Mm. Uh, and this is why some people really don't care for this era of the mothers. It's because it's just, it's too easy. It's, there's nothing mm. clever to it. And it's kind of, and yeah, I can get that. But I pledge allegiance to the band. At some point, Frank decided that, I, I can't remember what motivated him to do it, but he was able to get a movie to be filmed. Uh, he only had uh, kind of studios in London. Uh, I think only a whole week. And uh, they decided to shoot it on VHS because to film a musical movie at that point in time uh, was very expensive, so they had to put it on VHS. Oh, okay. Frank, Frank Frank was very interested in technology, and he liked the technology of VHS because you could play it back. Mm -hmm. And then they would just have to convert that to film. The problem is they filmed it in London, and uh, VHS over there, and I think it still kind of applies to any video, in other countries that in the UK, they use the movies filmed in London. So in the UK movies are filmed, videos are in uh, PAL. Mm-hmm. And then over here in the U S we have, I think it's NTSC and PAL, I think goes a little bit faster. Okay. Then, hmm. uh, then videos over here in America. So when it came over to the U S there were some versions where, like the music was all out of tune. Uh, it has like a, I think it's like a shorter or faster, shorter or longer runtime. And uh, yeah, there were some complications in the making of it, but he was able to make a movie with a very eclectic cast. And yeah. prior to this, Zappa had already experimented with film, mm-hmm. some successfully and sometimes not. And prior to even being in The Mothers, he was al- he already composed music for, I think, a few films. I mean, one that comes to my mind is The World's Greatest Sinner, which I think came out in the early 1960s, like before uh, Freak Out came out. Okay. Hmm. So he did that. And then uh, he was working on another film project uh, during, during the mid-1960s, which nothing came of it, maybe a script, but it was going to be called Captain Beefheart versus the Grunt People. <laughs> and it was going to be this movie with his friend Don Van Vliet. And he was going to be the lead character. Frank knew him from uh, high school. And uh, just nothing came of it. And then Don Van Vliet took the Captain Beefheart name and formed his own band, the Magic Band, which Frank, uh, amongst, this is one of the many 
things and the complicated friendship of Frank Zapp and Captain Beefheart. Yeah. Uh, and that Frank felt like, well, you're taking the Captain Beefheart name for yourself. So, uh, <laughs> but, but eventually he would produce Trout Mask Replica for him. It's just a very on and off relationship that they had. But that was one movie that didn't, that wasn't filmed at all. And then mm-hmm. he did try again with, uh, I think to tie in with these, the album of the same name, Uncle Meat, which was, uh, hmm. if I'm, t- I mean, I, the, they did shoot the movie, but it was never completed. Uh, okay. it, did, it did come out in 1987, but it was more so like a documentary of the film footage and the people in the movie reacting to it and telling the story of what would have happened. Okay. I see. Like, the idea came to Frank of making a, writing a story based on his experiences on the road with the mothers and that touring can make people crazy. And that um, he just got this idea based off of his own experiences with the other members of the mothers who, and how they were feeling at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some rumors, or uh, I think some of them are confirmed to be true, that I don't know how he did it, but there were supposedly times where he re- recorded his bandmates in in the dressing rooms. Oh. And um, one of the band members, Jeff Simmons, he was really fed up with being in the Zappa band. He was fed up. He really didn't want to be playing Zappa's comedy music. And um, he wanted he wanted to leave. And then I think when he found out that he had been recorded, and prior to them doing the 200 Motels movie, he decided he wanted out. He did come back a couple, I think, for the Overnight Sensation, Apostrophe, One Size Fits All band. Okay. Uh, that that era of the Mothers, which wasn't until 73 to 75 or 6. Mm-hmm. But um, he just used it as like, he just took into stories of what happened to his other bandmates and just put it into the script. And the title 200 Motels comes from the fact that he wrote it. He wrote all of it in 200 different motels. Okay. Yep. Um, so you know, what he has is this, what the movie is, is basically this, it's really more so of a, a variety show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's a good like way of putting of a, it. It's like more of like, uh, like sections. It's like more like a, it, it feels more like a TV movie than it does a theatrical release. For sure. Uh, and, um, and I mean, Frank didn't even hide it, that it was, uh, he, and I don't think he really cared. He just wanted to get this movie out. And um, and you can tell that, yeah, all the sets are fake and that they're basically on the same set the entire movie, but it's still really intriguing. And at the same time, he's backed up with uh, an orchestra playing all of his, this music. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on here. So uh, I guess that, uh, goes into uh, the movie itself. Now, the movie was directed by Tony Palmer. I think at that point it had already directed a couple of music-related things or was going to at some point. I don't think 200 Motels was his first. Yeah. I, I know um, afterwards he went on to direct a, a lot of music-related stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I think this is one of his, at least one of his first Mm-hmm. Um, they assembled this whole all-star cast of people, uh, along with Flo and Eddie in that current version of the Mother's Invention, 
He even invited some of the former members of the Mothers of Invention, including Jimmy Carl Black, uh, Motorhead Shearwood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good couple, good number of people, just friends. Uh, Pamela DeBarnes or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her, she's uh, she's in the movie briefly. Mm-hmm. And then in the starring role as uh, Larry the Dwarf is uh, Ringo Starr. Yes, it's so... <laughs> I, I have to say, of, of all the things that stuck out to me in this movie, hearing Ringo Starr use that level of profanity <laughs> was very <laughs> jarring. Like he, he drops the F-bomb multiple times in his first scene. I was like, I, hearing that voice say those words is so, so bizarre. <laughs> I think that first. And then Theodore Bacall is in this. Like, what? Is, what is he has no business in doing this. And he watched the... There was a documentary that was released at the making of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, only on home video. Sadly, it is not getting a re-release. But this new uh, box set that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, the true story of 200 Motels. And Theodore Bikel was interviewed, and he just said that he found Frank to just be such an interesting person. Oh, wow. And it's yeah. just, just kind of cool that somebody is like, I mean, this guy was in like, I mean, I'm not too familiar with this work, but I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, such a big name like his in like operas and all sorts of stuff. I mean, and then he decides to join company with Zappa and all these other crazy characters. Right. And, uh, and, uh, I think the first scene in the movie just sets out what you're in for, uh, with him as this game show host and then Ringo coming in from nylon strings and just, uh, looking just like Frank Zappa. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and and because the video would load for so much, I almost had that whole first scene like all memorized. <laughs> it's just because <laughs> it it loaded so many. It would, I would start the movie so many times just to see if okay, is it loading, and I would always go back to that scene. That's and, funny. Uh, so you got pretty accustomed to it. <laughs> it's like hi, hi, Larry. It's good to have you on our panel. Hi, Dave. It's great to have. It's great to be back on your panel. <laughs> That's a pretty good Ringo, I guess. I know. I know. I did all my ring. I did all the Beals impressions. What my first That's time great. on here. <laughs> I wonder why such a creature as you is dressed up like Frank Zappa. Tell us, Larry, what is the deal? He made me do it, Dave. He's such a creep. He's making me hold this Latin. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't it's make any so sense. weird. Why is that? He wants me to fuck the girl with the harp. <laughs> he wants you to fuck the girl with the harp? No, no. With the magic lamp. Man, it's, it's just, just like you would think that they were on something when, or that he was on something when they wrote it. But you know, he couldn't be because he was against that. Oh no, he was anti-drugs. Yeah, and that's one of the. Th- that's actually one of the themes in the movie. Mm-hmm. But and the funny thing about that whole thing is, with the exception of Larry the Dwarf, none of these other, maybe the exception of, and, and the girl with the harp is, by the way, Keith Moon in drag, right, uh, as a nun. <laughs> and uh, aside from them, it really has no connection to the rest of the movie, right. And then we hear over we hear uh, Frank saying, "Touring can make you crazy," and that's what precisely what Two Hundred Motels is all about. So that kind of sets you mm-hmm. in, and um, it really isn't until I think the uh, let me look in the uh, notes I kept here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it's always when I watch these first few minutes of the movie, I'm thinking, I like this movie, right? <laughs> it's just, I, I and then and then once the movie, oh, okay, that's why, that's why I'm like, yeah, the narrative is confusing, but right, it also it, it also isn't like it's more it's about the cutting, experience. It's cutting back and forth to Theodore Bakel, who's playing Rance Mohammeds, um and telling them that they're all going to be in this movie. So a couple of fourth, so there's some fourth wall breaking. And I think that was in there because you can tell that this is all being shot on the same set mm-hmm. and that he's making a reference that, yes, we know this is cheap. We know that we're on the same set. Yeah. And, uh, and I, it's, uh, yeah. And, and you were mentioning head and I wrote down, yes, it is similar to head it's the whole reality versus perception right. and fantasy. And uh, I think the fourth wall breaking keeps going on. And the story, I mean, Theodore Bikel, Rance Mohammed is going to every person that's going to be in the movie and telling them what their role is. Right. And Almost like the, it the is, director kind of. Mm-hmm. And then it isn't until uh, the bull the Bolero or uh, one of the reprises of this town is a seal tuna sandwich that the whole story starts. Yeah, it's after that, then it really goes into the whole story. And we have Ringo as Larry the Dwarf going through everything of all the topics. And before that, the mothers, the current lineup of the mothers, they're all in a hotel room after singing Mystery Roach. And they know that they're being filmed, which Mm -hmm. comes from the experience of uh, Frank recording them and how they're right. rehearsing all the songs and uh, they're wondering well, we we can make it on our own like a couple of the topics are already being discussed here and I think the big topics here if you just think about it from the main plot of touring can make you crazy yeah. it's easier to it's easier to follow and well, how can touring make and how can touring make you crazy well, you could have thoughts of wanting to leave the band that you're in. You may have insecurities yep. about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, may be tempted into doing uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so easy a... to fall into like mm-hmm. chaos and debauchery when you're living that mm-hmm. lifestyle. And the whole deal with the devil. Uh, with Rance Mohammeds, uh, I mean, they all know what who he is, and he's known by many names. And uh, I love how Jimmy Carl Black reacts to all this. <laughs> I think Jimmy Carl Black is great in this movie. Yeah, he uh, really is. And uh, just uh, he seemed like a really neat guy, and he has one of the yeah. great. Uh, he had one of the great lines in uh in the in the movie after Lonesome Cowboy Burt. Uh, and uh, he he talks to Rance Mohammed and he, and he's uh, Rance Mohammed says that he's the devil and he says you're not the devil <laughs> I saw him on television last week he had a British accent <laughs> that's a fantastic line it's just like it's such a midnight movie cult class it's just such a line that would be in a midnight movie and in a few of the scenes Ringo does act he 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 is Larry the Dwarf but then he's also Frank at some in some scenes which right can be very very confusing like the scene where he's up in the room writing that score and uh oh yeah 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 i think that's him being frank 
Um, as far as with the different topics covered in the movie, uh, drugs are, I think one of the uh, stand one of the points in the movie that's uh, worth mentioning here, uh, where they do really emphasize on the whole the mind and the reality versus the perception is uh, the dental hygiene movie. Oh yeah, that's a very famous little animated um, vignette in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the character of Jeff Simmons, who's the guy that did really leave the. It wasn't just the line in the movie, and I know Mark Volman says, "Oh, we're here filming the movie," with the exception of Jeff Simmons, who left before we could start filming the movie. Yeah, that was actually real. He did. He did really leave the band, and. <laughs> The problem was was that he was an important part of the movie, mm-hmm. and he had a good number of lines. So they thought, all right, well, who are we going to get? So they found a replacement for him, and they found a Wilford Brimley. Or not Wilford Brimley. What's his name from? Uh, oh, my God. I wish it was Wilford Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever the uh, – I can't remember. Uh, the guy who was the go- the uh, Paul's grandfather. and um, Wilford Bra- Bram- Bramble. I yeah, knew it was well, the, yeah something yeah, uh, with the guy who they, the what they get the guy they got was uh Wilford Bramble, and uh, who was the grandfather or Paul's grandfather in Hard Day's Night. It's amazing. And and had he been in the movie, he and Ringo probably would have been reunited, which is crazy to think oh, about. Oh my gosh, that's from A Hard Day's Night to Two Hundred Motels. What a what a polar opposite <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. And it's just kind of weird to think that he would. Be the role of Jeff Simmons, which he does. I mean, if you look at him in A Hard Day's Night, and you look at the guys and the mothers at that time, he does not fit. It would have been right. really weird to see him in that movie. So I, I still can't believe that he would have been in the movie. But apparently, according to Frank, he stepped into the set, and it was just too much for him, and he just said, uh-huh. "I'm out of this." Wow. And Frank just got so desperate to the point where he just said, "All right, well." The next person who walks through the door is going to be, is going to take the role. And just at that moment, Ringo's chauffeur, Martin Linkert, stepped through <laughs> and they said, Hey, you want to be in this movie? And it turned out he could play bass. And That's awesome. Yeah, he, he, he ended up in the movie. And uh, it's his only credit. It's his, it's his only no credit. Uh, <laughs> fortunately he passed in 2006, but, uh, yeah, he, it was his only movie role. You can look at his IMDb. I think his only other movie credit is that he's in, uh, the videos from hell video release of, uh, Frank Zappa, which I think was all of his music videos, but it's more than okay. likely, uh, it's just archival footage of him in 200 motels. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy because the guy's a pretty good actor. Yeah, so he's the role of Jeff, and I I don't know if he's, I doubt that, maybe he's doing the, the voices in the animated scenes, but uh, yeah, the, the animated, the dental hygiene movie is that he has this conflict that he doesn't want to be playing Zappa's comedy music. Mm-hmm. Well, he's also uh, talking to an inner, uh, like inner God or, or inner Trent. Yeah, like, like, an, like an inner yeah spiritual thing yeah mm-hmm. and uh he's telling him to like you know you know peace love when uh when the other side of him the devil is telling him 
you know, you don't want to be playing Zappa's comedy music. Maybe you're better off in Black Sabbath or yeah. <laughs> or something else. Or Grand Funk Railroad, just, right? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go ahead and just trash the hotel room? And and it's like the conflict between these two going, no, don't don't do what he says. He'll make you do bad things. Yep. And it comes to the point where he steals the he uh rips the room apart and steals the towels. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love how like how rudimentary and schoolhouse rocky the animation of that oh yeah scene is. and he's and got one gets, shoe on one shoe off yeah, yeah he's got one shoe and uh what he, he increases in size yeah <laughs> and yeah it does it, it does look very schoolhouse rock and the people who did the animation for that for that part in the movie they later worked with flo and eddie on another project Mm. Uh, the movie—I don't know who directed it, but uh, it was called *The Down and Dirty Duck*. Interesting. <laughs> and uh, Flo and Eddie—they provided the music for it, I think. Next, I think after that, we, uh, yeah, there's the conflict with leaving the band. Then after, uh, I think it's right after the dental hygiene movie, we get the uh, scene with Keith uh, Moon. Yes, that's a wild and, scene. <laughs> and Keith Moon's nun, who I think. I'm trying to think, he's playing a nun, but I think he's a guy in drag just trying to get with the groupies. And uh, he's there with these groupies who were earlier in the movie. And uh, the thing I found interesting about them, who were played by uh, Miss Lucy and Miss Christine, I think that those were Mm -hmm. names. I think they were part of the GTOs, which is a group that uh, Frank uh, had on uh, his Bizarre and Straight Records labels. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing about them that's worth mentioning although there are mentions of imaginary beer by uh theodore Bacall, uh they refer to everything in the movie as fake like uh <laughs> they're saying oh do you want to go to that fake mo do you want to go to that fake bar tonight right <laughs> oh, what right right across from there from the fake band yeah we'll go to that fake stage Mm-hmm. Oh, okay yeah maybe we'll meet a guy <laughs> from a group that's a good that's a or good something. point i didn't really catch on to that they, they, like uh everything that they said it, everything was fake and i think that's some fourth wall breaking or i don't know if that if anything has to do with the fact that the groupies said are pointing out that everything is fake if there's any sort of i, I don't there's probably nothing to it but everything that they are referring to in the movie they they have to add that it's fake. I feel like it's it possibly was intentional. I think Zappa used a lot of um, that kind of nuance in his in, in everything he did. You know, they have Keith Moon's nun character there, and um, mm-hmm. we can think that the that whole movie that we saw was a whole drug trip, maybe that the nun had, or I don't, maybe not. But uh, they may have just, but she. He does say that he's going to OD. Yeah, I did get and the then, impression that it was the nun's kind of vision. And then uh, they just sit there and they're getting ready to go to the fake nightclub. And um, uh, Miss Christine decides that, all right, well, I'm going to make you feel better by telling you a story and you just fill in the blanks. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like some of the stuff in this movie just doesn't make any sense whatsoever yeah 
and she just comes up with a story, and then uh, everything that Keith Moon comes up with gets increasingly more explicit. <laughs> yeah. And then it leads into uh, Penis Dimensions, <laughs> which is uh, one of the... Uh, it's one of those... It, it's one of the earliest parts in the movie that I got to see. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you watch this scene and you just see how there's people who do not like this era of Zappa's career. Yeah. <laughs> what I find funny is that they're doing this all in front of uh, the orchestra members. Who I, are probably Yes, I was thinking these, that too. <laughs> these like stuffy classical music people. <laughs> and you see, yeah, you see all these. Although uh, I had a note from the True Story of 200 Motels that uh, Frank was really surprised by the... Uh, the orchestra uh, that the uh, tuxedos that they were wearing were all rentals, hmm. and uh, that uh, after the movie was over, they just tore them off. <laughs> and they were afraid about like the rock stars being the rock stars, but no, the, the the members of the orchestra were just as bad. That's amazing. I will say it was. Um, I did notice during that whole sequence. Just for a split second in the background, I could I could see one of the um, one of the musicians in the orchestra like cracking a big smile at one of the one of the <laughs> body jokes that were being told, and I was like, "Oh, okay, they must have they must have actually enjoyed doing this." Then there's like very minimalist. I mean, there really isn't too much of a setup there. It's just Flo and Eddie talking to Miss Christine and Miss Lucy, mm-hmm. and uh, it's them just talking about like how uh, penis is such a disgusting word. And uh, that all the guys that they know have, you know, <laughs> have dicks and uh, and pricks or right. Or, they're like, they it's such an ugly dicks. word. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, or I like how Miss Lucy goes, caca. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then it and then it unfolds into this whole thing of this game show of let's ha- ask our in-studio audience about that. Right. <laughs> Would you trade for what's behind the curtain or what's in his pants? <laughs> and then um, Miss Lucy and Miss Christine are, are debating on, on what they would take. Well, let's take what's behind the curtain. <laughs> I want to see what's behind the curtain. Well, who cares what's in the guy's pants? <laughs> And then, like, let's let's see what's behind the curtain. And then you hear a voice hearing, doesn't anybody care what's in my pants? <laughs> <laughs> and then that leads into the penis dimensions, which uh, goes with the whole idea of, like, the insecurities yeah, oh, yeah. of uh, yeah. musicians and what uh, these musicians have when uh, going on tour and uh, meeting the groupies if they're they're up to the, uh, the groupies' expectations and... Uh, they mm-hmm. meet their qualifications. But uh, the song is performed. I mean, the first thing that we see is, I think it's like a back, I think it, it's, uh, actually, I do remember one person saying, I think that whole scene where you do see the pants, I think it's supposed to act as the pants, but I think it's a, really supposed to be a parody of the uh, monolith from 2001. Okay, yes. And, uh, and then you see the vacuum cleaner that's in the movie who, uh, Motorhead Shearwood is in love with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> uh, spouts out uh, some uh, with some bubbles and and causes an explosion, and then you see like the whole almost the entire cast with these uh, uh, torches, 
and the mall singing this song. In the background, you can see these people dressed up as the Ku Klux Klan, and they're so all singing crazy. penis dimensions. And I just, and I just see that I'm like, yeah, this is my kind of movie. Just, it's just, so, it <laughs> and there's also no a lot of like Monty Python in there too. The funny thing is that uh, Mark Bowman's wearing a bra <laughs> during this whole. Yes. And he like undoes his hair and they just sing an operatic, like it's a whole opera, this, this whole song. <laughs> and, um, and then it, uh, transcends to this whole thing where it is, um, it does mention about where they, uh, start to recite these things about, uh, you know, that, uh, almost speaking to the audience saying, hi friends, <laughs> did you ever consider that? The size of your penis, or in the case of the ladies, at the titties themselves, could lead to thoughts of subconscious anxieties or something to that extent. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that things that could force someone to become a politician, <laughs> a Jesuit monk. <laughs> it's just like, wait, like, how did he come up with this stuff? It's so crazy. And then um, they also say, like, oh, the, the ladies who can't get the silicone beef up become the writers of erotic fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it's Howard Kalen who gives all the, uh, the examples of them. And it's just, uh, and it kind of ends with, uh, it, it ends differently on the album than it does in the movie. I kind of prefer mm. the way it ends in the, mo in the movie uh -huh. more because, uh, yeah, the album's very different with its tracking order, but in the movie, the Mark Bowman goes on about, "Well, you're at a party, you're feeling so great. You don't, you don't have any pants on. You're, you're feeling so great, and uh, somebody comes up to you and says, eight inches or less. Well, you just look that son of a bitch in the eye and you tell them, and it cuts to Ringo going, "I put three pairs of socks and a bar of beauty soap in the front of my pants. Yes, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> and, and then it goes into one of my favorite parts of the music, uh, she painted up her face, the whole suite of uh, songs, which are oh, yes, the story yes. of the groupies, which is just, it's such a uh, psychedelic jam. Yeah, the music, obviously, being Frank Zappa, is uniformly fantastic. And the crazy thing is that you really don't see him too much in the movie, with the exception of the, uh, it's just uh, yeah. the band. Yep, he's got a few ripping guitar solos, but he doesn't sing or speak in a word in the entire movie. It's really well, surprised that, me. Which I think it, with the only, I think that is him in the beginning saying "Torn can make you crazy," but oh, I okay. think that's about. I think that's about it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that came to my mind during that segment, uh, I thought back to Spinal Tap and the scene with the cucumber. Oh yeah! Oh, I that and just didn't, like didn't think that, of that. It's just like it's one of those things that you know, just that uh, rock stars are just you know that this is what I guess Frank was trying to show an example that this is what touring can do to you that you just become yeah you, know, you know like you're not thinking clearly like you would like in a regular it like pollutes your mind mm hmm and, and there's more insecurities when uh, they're all getting ready uh, for the um well, after the whole suite mm -hmm. uh. Ringo then, uh, again, I can agree with you with uh, it being a bit jarring to be hearing Ringo say some lines here. Yeah. <laughs> and then just hearing him after the whole, hearing him after the whole, uh, after the whole she painted up her face suite, 
Um, uh, what it cuts to Ringo just saying, "Well, now the band are getting ready. Mm-hmm. They're all getting ready to get some pussy." pussy yes, <laughs> it's just like I, I did a double take when I, I was like, "Wait, what?" And actually, it was at that point I put the the closed captioning on and watched the rest of the movie with closed captioning because I, I I was so lost with the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I was a bit surprised to be hearing that coming from a from a beetle, just like yeah, oh yeah, what, what was what was that? Yep, like everything the Beatles did was just, uh, for the most part, so G-rated, and now here's Ringo t- saying these lines in that wonderful voice that's going to soon narrate right. uh, Thomas Shining the Tank Station. Engine. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so vulgar. And um, although them getting ready, there is there's a couple of good laughs in there. Uh, they're all getting ready, like they're in their dressing room. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about oh how they're going to get laid tonight. They they look so nice, and that they that they put some that uh, they put some cologne on, or they they're brushing up their hair, and that they're wondering. Um, there's this question that they're asking themselves: Why can I be Buona Dick? <laughs> Which uh, goes back to one of the songs that's performed on the film More East album. Uh, which is called Buona Dick. So I think that's where that all comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it turn, I think it's Ainsley Dunbar who's the one who ends up being. And the way that he says it, I mean, it's kind of, com- you would expect it from Mark Volman and uh, Howard Kalin, but then uh, yeah. Ainsley Dunbar says everything in his uh, British accent, like, oh, got to make sure that right. <laughs> the girls, after all, I am Buona <laughs> Just hearing the lines from... And then they're all talking about their insecure, like you, they cut to each band member in their dressing room, just going, well, I brushed my teeth. <laughs> I, I, I had my hair combed. I'm, or uh, Howard Kalen uh, says something like, oh, I have glitter on my face, just like Danny Hutton. <laughs> or, or, or something like. And one of my, one of my favorites, I think it was George Duke, who just says, I bought a copy of Downbeat just so it looked like I knew what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, daddy daddy daddy's one of my favorites of the yes. movie <laughs> yep. uh, just seeing them all have fun and uh there's some other stuff like uh that that's kind of weird uh you, you can also see mark volman in drag oh yeah point, mm-hmm. which i and then he's with howard kaylin and i'm trying to think like i don't know if that was because they didn't have enough actors or they, they, they even have these blow up dolls that are dressed up like Miss Christine and all the groupies. Oh, uh-huh. which is kind of, which is kind of strange, but yeah. I'm like, well, did they have enough actors? But then I'm looking, it cuts from, I think Ainsley Dunbar who has like a, like two girls in each arm. And then it cuts to Howard Kalen who's with Mark Volman and uh, making it look like the look on Howard Kalen's face makes it look like he wasn't able to find anybody. And all he was able to find was uh, Mark Volman and drag. Uh, it kind of ends with um, uh, with Mar- Martin Linker uh, playing the role of Jeff Simmons, going over to Don Preston and telling him one of the things from the movie that you know that Don Preston should have never left the mothers, or he never should he Don Preston should have never join the mothers, and that uh, he was just telling him, well, you could have joined, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, or you could have joined, uh you know, a jazz Oh group. yeah, that's right. And then it kind of goes into what would this evening bring me this morning? Um, 
where I think everything is just, um, and where I was going at with, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have this one in my notes. Uh, it kind of ends with, uh, the vacuum cleaner against a blue screen. And it looks like these were like outtakes that they just threw in and then just like everybody's just pummeling on top of each other <laughs> and it cuts back and forth to that and Frank's eye. Yes. So crazy. And I think the I think there's a purpose in this that if you can just think of this movie as from the mind of Frank Zappa, mm-hmm. it just it makes sense. Yeah, because he he was such a unique outlook on everything, you know, that this whole movie was happening in his mind. Yeah, and uh, and then it cuts to Jeff going out on that Jeff going out and all the psychedelic effects, and I could never make out in the video. Uh, online of what was happening there but the first time i think this is my first time seeing noticing what he was doing in that whole psychedelic effect that was going on during the last part where he was Mm -hmm. really out on the drugs uh he is actually stealing the towels okay like in the uh yeah the the dental hygiene yeah and then uh yeah just kind of just ends like that and uh then we get the whole cast and uh, Theodore Pickel says, you know, it's, you know, we're going to sing the final number. Yes, yeah, so we've reached the end of the movie or whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, I'm kind of the guy who likes to sing a song that, that, uh, what it's like to laugh and forget about all the terrible things in the world. <laughs> and it goes into Strictly Genteel, which is my personal favorite from the album and the movie. It's a great one. Uh, yeah. It's just such a great piece. Uh, probably better as an instrumental, uh, because the words are a little bit, they're a little bit weird, but that's to be expected with Frank. Uh, uh, and there's even more fourth wall breaking and may the Lord have mercy on this movie and God bless the mind of the man in the street. And, uh, my favorite think, moment from my little mm-hmm. spiel is when he, when they started and he's like, as you probably would have guessed, we have reached the end of the movie. Almost like he made it, like he's making it sound like, oh yes, we've reached a logical conclusion. I'm like, how would I have known that? This is nothing that's happened has made any sense. <laughs> so weird. And just everybody's there, and it's just all. And he would, Frank would perform this as an instrumental in concert. Uh, oh, later wow. Zappa. And with later Zappa bands, but it wouldn't be orchestral. It was just, mm-hmm. which made it more unique. And I think it's one of the, uh, it's a pretty overlooked piece in his career. Um, mm-hmm. The whole strictly genteel part. And then it goes into the finale, which is, uh, I mean, with Howard Kalen singing that they're going to tear down the studios. I think that was because they literally were going to, the, mm-hmm. th- that was their last day filming. Oh, okay. I see. And uh, what there was one of the last lines from Jimmy Carl Black: uh, "Disaster size, disaster the size of Atlantic City, New Jersey, or or something like that." Uh, Like, like I had, I struggled a a little bit to to take notes for this because I there's so (laughs) much going on. There's like I had Uh to. and you had to pay close attention, but at the same time, it didn't matter if you paid close attention. Cause I mean, the dialogue really doesn't 
you know, co- coalesce into anything. But at the same time, there's so many little details happening on screen that you could easily miss something that was funny or or um, or clever. You know, it, it's it, so I, I was really I, I had a hard time writing down my thoughts and stuff like that because I didn't want to miss anything. But I also didn't know what to write down. I was like, here's another non sequitur. Here's another line that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I guess we can go into a couple of the uh, the songs here. Yeah, which, definitely. Uh, the soundtrack here is just uh, it's a bit of a weird soundtrack because uh, well, not all the songs in the movie or on the soundtrack or in the movie, mm. and they're rearranged differently compared to whatever's in the movie. Mm. Uh, I'm more used to the order that the songs are in in the movie rather than the ones uh, than they than they are in the album. Because I mean, I was kind of surprised when I was listening to it last week for my album of the day for Rock Solid, mm-hmm. and uh, I was kind of like, "Oh wait, Magic Fingers isn't until like the end of the album." <laughs> just like, but that's like towards the beginning of the movie. Like, it kind of ruins the the flow that you're used to. Yeah. And uh, like the, the whole, uh, the girl wants to fix him from broth. Same thing. That was towards the end of the movie, not the middle. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of strange. Um, uh, wait, I'll read the thing that it says here. Okay. And from the it says the information here. This is from the booklet. My copy of Two Hundred Motels is the last time it was released, which was on Ryko Disc. Uh, mm. The reason why they didn't have the longest for the longest time Zappa Family Trust didn't have this because MGM owned 200 motels uh, okay which can now change I'm thinking maybe the movie we can talk about the release mm-hmm. history later which ties into my story with Tony Palmer but yeah uh, the information here says from the original liner notes this music is not in the same order as in the movie some of this music is in the movie some of this music is not in the movie some of the music okay. that's in the, the movie is <laughs> not on the album. All right. I, I he, couldn't he, have said he, it better myself. The, <laughs> well, there's more here. Some of some of the music that was written for I didn't really come back to this. This is actually kind of funny. Some of the music that was written for the movie is not in the movie or the album. All this music was written for the movie over a period of four years, which over a period of four years, which is worth mentioning. It says in the 200 Motels documentary, the true story, that Frank was like working on this as far back as like 68. Hmm. And uh, he was even, they even acted it out on stage with like Jimmy Carl Black. But it wasn't the movie that would come to be. They were, it was like the similar themes of like, the. do you think any groupie is going to want to be with you? Oh, okay. I think they were performing this all at the Royal Albert Hall, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, continuing where I'm okay. Most of it, 60%, was written in motels while touring. The rest of it was either done at home or in our rented flat in London just prior to shooting. The overture is a cosmeticized version of one (laughs) of the themes in A Holiday in Berlin Full Blown. Okay, so that Hmm. Holiday in Berlin Full Blown is from Burnt Weenie Sandwich. Oh, okay. And would you like? And would you like a snack? Which I think uh, Frank co-wrote that with Grace Slick. Oh, uh, interesting. Vo- okay. Yeah, is a co is a vocal version of the same theme. Some of the su- 
situations described in the song texts are real. Some of them are not real. You decide. Uh, and the the orchestra that's that's uh, backing them up is uh, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm. Uh, looks like they it says for the live recordings they use the mobile recording, the mobile Rolling Stones studio, uh, recording studios in uh, Whitley Studio. Um, but I think there was also another problem that they ran into uh, in doing the movie and the soundtrack was that some of the songs, even though they sound very similar in, on the soundtrack, some of them are different from the way they are in the movie. Because I think they recorded it oh, right there okay. on set. Mm -hmm. They recorded it right there on set, which I think Frank kind of regretted because, I mean, he really wasn't experienced in doing movies and probably trying to realize that well you got you kind of got to record the songs before you make the movie or you got to have some idea of what of what you're going to put in here are you going to lip sync it or just mime it or mm -hmm. uh so yeah some of them they may sound like some of them i can't even get i mean some of them sound like they they do come from the straight from the movie but then other ones uh they don't like the whole dialogue from Mystery Roach is different. Uh, Mystery Roach is, uh, I mean, it isn't the first song, but it is the first, uh, I would say, first proper song because we it really goes into the semi-fraudulent direct from Hollywood Overture, which is the whole intro with uh, Larry the Dwarf and uh, mm. Adore Bikel, and then it goes into Mystery Roach. And I do like Mystery Roach. It's one of the rockers, rockers on the album. Mm. Uh, yeah, I like that one too. It's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it goes into a bunch of... It's really... The thing with the 200 Motel soundtrack is that there's a lot of filler here with the uh, with the orchestral songs. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, there's a lot... There's a lot with the... Uh, this Town is a Sealed Tuna Sandwich. There's the prologue and then the promenade and then the reprise. A lot of interstitial Yeah, it's just stuff. like... Yeah. Why can they just keep it to one thing? Uh, well, Frank, I feel like he was such a, like a completist. He, mm -hmm. he wanted just everything, you know, like it, it, everything out there. Cause I think he, you know, I've composed this and that and this and that it all is part of the experience. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Next. Uh, well, the next proper song in my opinion is, uh, Lonesome Cowboy Burt. Yeah. I like that one too. I like that one. Yeah. From Jimmy, yeah. Car from Jimmy Carl Black. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, another example of something that's later. That's earlier in the movie, but later in the album, uh, Centerville. And it's uh, the effects that they use uh, of Flo and Eddie just uh, mingling their way through the, the set of just them just looking all around the place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love how it just starts with uh, Centerville, a real nice place to raise your kids. <laughs> <laughs> And then that's when it cuts. And when they say, oh, look, a rancid boutique. <laughs> and it cuts to uh, Miss Janet and, or Miss Christine or Miss Janet. And then right after that, it goes into the, she painted up her face suite, which isn't until later in the movie. I don't get why they couldn't just yeah. line. I want to know if them. like if Frank sequenced this album and if he did, like what his logic was behind it. I think there was some editing. I think there were some stories behind the editing mm -hmm. that uh, the movie, I don't know if it was, I guess it was to Frank's liking, but some of it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Or that uh, I, I think he had some disagreements with Tony Palmer. I mean, there's a lot of rumors surrounding 
this movie and a lot of stories revolved around it, which I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Some of them are true and some of them are, some of them aren't. I mean, some of them have proven to be wrong. Right. Um, but yeah, that goes into, there's one separate song called them stealing the towels and then it goes into the dental hygiene dilemma. Mm -hmm. Uh, we talked about daddy, daddy, daddy. I really do like that one. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, just seeing them all have fun. Uh, we talked about penis dimensions. <laughs> we sure did. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do like magic fingers. Yes. Yeah. I had to remember. I had to remember which one that was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a hard. That's a real hard rocker. There's some good guitar mm-hmm. looks there from Frank. Yeah. And uh, it kind of it, it ends on a weird note with uh, <laughs> Howard Caitlin going on about uh ripping you off with all your little clothes and just yeah it's kind of creepy (laughs) dressing you up and making you pose in erotic poses and beating you with a pair of tennis shoes (laughs) i got from jeff beck (laughs) 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 the lad i like the the lad searches the night for his newts and then it goes to the girl wants to fix him some broth basically the movie just that Nobody really. I've got very mixed reviews. Uh, nobody really, uh, really thought too much of it because I mean, with Frank Zappa, be, it being a Frank Zappa movie, people didn't really know what to think of it. Right. Roger Ebert but of I, all people gave it. I a was going to just review. mention him. He did give it a positive review, but I remember him saying, uh, "Now with it being, uh, he has a funny comment in that review." Mm-hmm. Um, now the thing that worth mentioning about this is yes, it was filmed on VHS, one of the first things ever filmed on VHS, I think, mm-hmm. and it was converted to film, and that turned out to be a bit of a hassle because of the 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 frame rate of a UK video versus US video, but um, it hmm. came out and uh, and he said that uh, I think he said something like uh, the technologies. A VH. I mean, he uses the technologies of VHS. That it was a you know, it's an imaginative movie, but he doesn't want to be around to see the uh, the technology of VHS go any further. I mean, the critics they said what they said about it, but I mean, it, they weren't really. Expe- I think Howard Kalen says, and there's footage of him in the Two Hundred Motels documentary as mm-hmm. they're filming it. He's saying this movie is either is either going to really bomb. Or it's just, or but we don't. This movie's probably going to really bomb. Critics are probably going to hate it, but we don't care because the kids are going to go see it, right? <laughs> and yeah, they did to the point where I think once the Midnight Movie became a thing, which really started with El Topo. Uh, oh yeah, which would have come out in 1970. Um, I think it was in 1970 when, or maybe it was the year afterwards that they. It was showed at shown at midnight, got the attention of John and Yoko, and then they mm-hmm. they got him with APCO and funded uh, the Holy Mountain, uh, which came out in seventy three. But oh yeah, I mean people really didn't start. I mean I think the moon, midnight movie craze really. Uh, I mean I mean people really consider Altova to be the 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 the, the Godfather or the the uh, the the starter of the midnight movie, but mm-hmm. I think things really got uh catapulted with Rocky Horror and they just put anything Oh good point, yeah. And they just put anything that fit that type mm-hmm. 
of a kind of zany movie that they would just screen at midnight. Yeah. Because that's all you, that's what you would show at midnight, just anything that was kind of zany. And I think that's how things like Reefer Madness or Freaks mm -hmm. uh, found any uh, like stuff in the 1930s that nobody thought of. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they, and then they found a second life as midnight movies. And, um, I think 200 motels, I mean, not to the same extent as, as these other movies that we're mentioning, but I think mm -hmm. it was one of those movies that you could just show it at midnight and people will come. Yeah. Um, and, and I think fact, too, having the Frank Zappa, mm -hmm. you know, fingerprints on it, I think really helps too, because people know him. Oh yeah. And I do like, uh, the, in the, in 200 motels, they do mention, uh, there's a yeah, the scenes where he's floating, mm. uh, or uh, Theodore Bacall's floating. Those are scenes that were meant to be like a widescreen. Ah, I think were, okay. And that's one thing I want to get that this movie was shown. I mean, the movie that you may have watched, or the version that you may have watched, was whatever MGM had lying around. And they may have converted it to uh, sixteen to nine, which is not the way it was filmed. It was filmed in four three, mm. uh, which is the way that vhs is but i think in the movie theaters they would cut the screen and um hmm. and that scene where uh where you see mark volman that close-up of volman and uh you see ransom hammett's there and he goes special delivery for mr volman and it's uh and he has the briefcase on that stand you're not supposed to see the the bottom of that stand but in the four the three you can you can see the stand Oh, okay. So it's like that's one that was meant for widescreen, but yep. but uh, interesting. Yeah, they, don't, they don't change it, and, that, and I, it's a similar shot with Jimmy Carl Black after Lonesome Cowboy Burt. And what I was getting at here was mm -hmm. he does make a reference from Roy in it for the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, during uh the song, there's a couple moments on Roy in it for the money. I think it's like the, the first song, which has Eric Clapton talking. Oh, he goes wow, like, okay. uh, are, "Are you hung?" The song is called "Are You Hung Up?" Mm -hmm. Out of sight, yeah, out of sight. But are you hung up? Are you... at the end of that song? You hear Jimmy Carl Black go, "Hi, boys and girls. I'm Jimmy Carl Black. I'm the Indian of the group." <laughs> and then it just goes right into the neck. Who needs the Peace Corps? And then during the song "Concentration Moon," uh, there's all these uh, weird effects and people talking, and then out of nowhere, you hear again. Hi, boys and girls. I'm Jimmy Carl Black. I'm the Indian of the group. <laughs> and then um, it's after Lonesome Cowboy and Bert, you hear uh, Theodore Bacall go, Jimmy Carl Black, Indian of the group? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Things you could never get away with now. <laughs> and I think when he was in the, I think when he and the, I think he and the other, the former members of the Mothers, they eventually I think they formed their own, their own subgroup called the Grandmothers. Mm. I think they played like small gigs, and I think he he ended up having a song called "Indian of the Group." Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I think there's probably performances of him singing it during like the 1990s. Or it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, guy later worked with the Arthur Brown of all people. Get out, really? Like in the 1980s. Hmm. If you heard John Lamoureux's uh, interview with Arthur Brown. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I forgot that you interviewed him. They, they, they were in what, landscaping or house painting or, or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Nuts. <laughs> Nuts like that. But yeah, so the movie came out and then it got a couple of 
VHS releases, which I am looking on information is not knowledge website. Mm -hmm. Um, it did get a couple of releases, uh, 1984, 86, 88, uh, 88, 90, 94, 90 on uh, VHS and laser But I think those releases suffered from, uh, the fact that it was shot in, uh, UK video. Oh yeah. To the point yeah. where it was just like, and then, uh, the 1997 release that I've been referring to, that was the last time it came out. And I think, it, I think when it came out during 1997, I think they were planning. I mean, DVD, I think first started when, uh, in, like, like maybe like the late nineties, right? Yeah. Maybe like 1996. Mm-hmm. I remember we got our, I have a very vivid memory of us getting our first DVD player. It was a gift from my, uh, uh, my uncle to my, to my dad for his, uh, 40th which would have been 1999 and and we got and we were like dvd what's this and just like <laughs> and then once the video stores started getting it then it was like oh they all have different main menus okay here's what the rugrats <laughs> movie looks like <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever was new at that time uh so we tried to make an effort to get dvds but uh as far as 200 motels it just didn't it was just unavailable people just boot like the vhs copies from the from the uh both the, the the English and the UK or the the American and the UK from Warner Brothers home videos mm. uh those what uh what I watched had subtitles uh, all those years it was on daily motion so this goes into my story of how I got in touch with uh, Tony Palmer I became interested in wanting to see or wanting to see that this movie get released or whatever happened People were going, where's the D for years and years, people were thinking, where's the DVD release of 200 motels? Where mm-hmm. is it? And, um, I just thought, well, how do you get in touch with Tony Palmer? So I, I went on his website and I saw an email there and I went and I had read things about 200 motels at that point. I said, Hey, is it coming on DVD? And, uh, he said that, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm working on it right now. It's right in front of me. Yeah. It's going to be out soon. I went, Oh, that's neat. And then finally, it comes out on DVD in 2010 on the voice print label. And uh, I remember getting it, and I remember being late to it. That saying, "Oh, 200 Motels is on DVD." Okay, so I, I didn't. I asked it as for a gift for uh, when I was still getting when I could still get things for report <laughs> for report cards. <laughs> I just days. went like, "Hey, hey, could this be my? Could you?" I just asked my grandmother, can you get me this? Yeah, okay. So I look at it and, and um, put the DVD on. I thought, oh, okay. Well, I mean, the screen's cropped, but I mean, at least it's on DVD. <laughs> okay, let me put that back. Okay, it looked terrible. It, it looked it looked terrible. Um, yeah, wow. it, it had the sticker on there, remastered from the original master tapes. Or like, yeah. it did not look remastered. At, that's it's so, just, and it's funny because it's not like it's a high fidelity movie anyway. You know, it's really got to be horrible if it's that no, you know, if it's that noticeable. And yeah, they were missing the sound quality was terrible. All right, so everything from Mark Volman up to Beauty Soap, that part was cut. Oh wow, it was missing. So it goes eight inches or less, and then it cuts to Ringo just going down the front of my pants. <laughs> so, and I remember that happening on the DVD going, 
that was like one of the best parts in the movie. What right. happened? <laughs> and I'm just like, this is terrible. And it turned out that uh, Tony Palmer did not have any right to be releasing 200 Motels on DVD. And because of that, mm. that release was recalled. Uh, not too long after that, I think it was like a year later, 200 Motels started showing up on uh, video on demand services. I remember one day mm. when staying over the summer at, at uh, King's College, I went on uh, the Media Center uh, program in Windows 7, and there was a Netflix portion there and that's how that's how i would watch netflix i remember during the summer i was looking in our key in the in the queue and i saw 200 motels in there and i'm thinking wait how did that get there i'm like it's out does it look any good and just like well uh, the screen's cropped but wow this picture looks okay this looks way better (laughs) than the dvd that i have okay cool it looks better there were no bonus features it's just the movie on a disc and the the chapters were split every five minutes or so. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's just like, it's very simple. Right. And I just went, okay. And I look at it and I'm, and then when I first saw it, I thought, oh, it's finally coming out on DVD again. I'll take my chances and buy it. Good thing I did that because now that's going for like 60 bucks or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it said limited edition. Oh. All right. So it was only out for a while. Right. But, okay. I nabbed my copy. So yeah, the only way you can get this movie is through um, uh, just watching it on demand. Or uh, I think there's been a, another attempted DVD releases, but I think they're all unauthorized. And the reason why the Zappa family doesn't have any control over it for the longest amount of time is because they don't own 200 motels. MGM does. That's but, that's uh, crazy. I I just it's so surprising to me. And yeah, that when the the, the aforementioned 2012 reissues that came out from Universal. They skipped. I mean, they number all the starting with the Universal. They now number all the releases: official release number one, mm-hmm. official release number two, and you can see it on the spines. Wow! And uh, yeah, there's one. There's one that's missing now. There was one that was missing, mm-hmm. and that was two hundred motels. Oh. So, but finally, <laughs> somehow they finally they finally got the music back. As far as the movie, I don't know, but I mean. Yeah. MGM have been through some hard times in the last 10 years as oh, far yeah. as at the studio. And now they're owned by Amazon. And I remember when reading about them being bought out by Amazon mm-hmm. earlier this year, I posted immediately on Facebook. I said, just heard about Amazon uh, buying up MGM. And I posted a picture of the poster for 200 motels. And I put Amazon do everything you can and give this a proper DVD release. Yeah. Ideally, what would be this last, this new box set that's coming out of 200 Motels, which is going to be six discs. Mm. And uh, it's going to come with a, like a door tag. Mm. Yeah. Like they're going all out on it, like putting all these other things in there. There's going to be an audio documentary on there that they did for the other, uh, the series that they call uh, it's Project Object, where they release like the original mixes of some of the albums, and there's always an audio documentary attached to it. Mm-hmm. Another one that has re-recorded bass and drums, uh, "Cruising with Ruben and the Jets," yeah, that was re-released as uh, the original mix was re-released as "Greasy Love Songs," uh, and you could only get that online. But now I think you can get it digitally on iTunes, oh, which okay. I'm glad they're making these. But yeah, 200 Motels is going to be coming out in the box set. And what was thought when the pictures were leaked 
was that uh, one of the discs would be a Blu-ray with the movie and uh, the the documentary that came out about the making of 200 Motels, which was uh, called The True Story of 200 Motels, which came out in 88, 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, about an hour-long documentary about uh, the making of the movie and uh, interviews yeah. from the time of, of the... Um, of the filming of the movie, and yeah, that that that's a v, as it stands now, it's a VHS only release, I think. It's a shame. I mean, you can find it online if you can, but it's, yeah, it it is a good it is a good thing to add to the movie. Like if you, it gives you like a better understanding of the movie a little bit more. Yeah, and just a bit of a respect of what Frank was doing, and uh, how much thought because I think that Frank really did have an idea behind here, mm-hmm. and that idea was that touring can make you crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, he did it in the, I mean, if somebody else had done it in another, I mean, it could have been made into another movie by somebody else and they could have made sense of it and showed how Torrin can make you crazy, but then it wouldn't be the same. The thing that's worth noting about 200 Motels is that it was really one of the last things that he worked on for a while because not too long after that, there were, uh, two events that, uh, happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to him uh one of them resulted in a song and then the other one uh resulted in him in uh being in a wheelchair oh wow uh the one that resulted in a song was uh a gig that he played in montro with a uh, deep purple hmm. and uh the place uh, that they were playing at uh it burned uh, to the ground and uh, Deep Purple ended up writing a song about it called Smoke on the Water. And then just like, I think it was not too long after that, uh, Frank was pushed into the orchestra pit during a during a concert with the, the, the mothers, with the Flowinetti. And he was just pushed off by this nut job that came from the audience. His voice got a little bit deeper after that. According to, this is all from his autobiography, I can remember. He uh-huh. said that his voice was a little bit deeper, and um, one of his legs was shorter than the other, which made its way into a lyric of one of his songs later, A Dance in Full. I mean, as far as with 200 Motels, I think it, it really is unique. Um, I mean, Very even though so. it's not the, it's uh, with the 200 Motels, it's not the ideal uh, Frank Zappa album or movie i mean it's not right i wouldn't tell anybody new to start here that's for sure no 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 (laughs) no if you wanted to start out i think the way i got into him or whenever i would get into any artist i would try to find any documentary which i have a whole list of Mm -hmm. i want to find like the like the definitive go-to documentaries if you want to get into an artist this is the oh nice nice uh for frank zappa if anybody wants to get into him i would recommend uh not with the new zappa Maybe start with the new Zappa movie, but I mean, that's a little too, because I think there's some things that aren't covered on there. I mean, it's more about him as a person rather than Mm, music, music, which there's nothing wrong with, which there's nothing wrong with, but I mean, it's, there's one from 2007, the man and his mute, it was from another country, Mm -hmm. but I think that the one that I went to often was the A&E biography episode on him. Okay. Which, uh, it mostly covers it. There's a good portion of it that covers the yellow shark Mm -hmm. thing that I mentioned, but, um, now that's a pretty good overview, and I think it was before he died. Although there's an intro at the beginning saying that Frank Zappa died earlier this year in night oh, in December, okay. or, 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 and then they, and I think they 
but I think it was like a BBC documentary. And then A&E took it as a episode of their biography series. Mm. And they do talk about 200 motels in it. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it's not like extensively, but they do mention that. And that's when I was kind of first introduced to the movie. I'm mm-hmm. just looking at, I mean, I knew that it existed. I knew that there was this movie, the Frank Zappa did make a movie. And then once I saw footage from it, I just went, okay, where can I, right. <laughs> where can I watch, this? where can I watch this? Or like, yeah. but you know, uh, it's not any, well now I'm, I am happy that there is, I mean, it's not the ideal, it's not Frank at his best, but it is a very interesting chapter in Frank's life. That's for sure. I yeah. mean, the music, I mean, the music may not be up to par with uh, the early albums that he made with the mothers or the stuff that he would make afterwards with overnight sensation apostrophe and one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I know that the humor, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. It's juvenile, but there's kind of a charm. And I think he was really on to something. Um, and I think that you can, I think just dissecting this movie, maybe it's just for me doing the albums uncovered for so long and dissecting the songs sometimes from other people, dissecting them and then on my own yeah that I, I was able to really find out like okay maybe this is why i like the movie is that there really is a good idea here that touring can make you crazy mm-hmm. and it's presented as like a variety show or tv special kind of a thing mm-hmm. but it was meant for theatrical release and they just let it they make no they don't try to even hide it that it's that it was just shot in a a studio for one week, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like there's like there, it's it's almost like a punk rock mentality. Yeah, yeah. To just like okay, yeah, we're not gonna film this on we're gonna film this on VHS, and uh, it makes no apologies for make, it. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not gonna make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, Theodore Bikel decided to join in all of this. Right. <laughs> so it's just, um, I think it's just a really unique entry in his life. If you don't get the movie, that's okay. If you get into the movie, then you know, then you then you get it that it really is a cult classic film. And um, I'm glad that it is that that there are versions of it. Or there, there are ways to now stream it and uh, make it uh, available for other people to watch, and it's good that the that the soundtrack will be uh, reissued yes. at some point. It's not gonna, it's not only gonna be coming out as a box set, but they're gonna be a simplified uh, edition. So there's gonna be a two CD edition for it, and uh, and uh, also uh, digital downloads. But I think I'm just gonna stick with my uh, 1997. Uh, copy of it because uh, i mean and the remaster may sound great i mean yeah. i heard that what bernie bernie grundman or uh whatever his name is bob ludwig or mm-hmm. whoever does the master who did a great job they're really good at remastering stuff but i don't know i don't think it's going to sound too much different from what from what you already what have. the 1997 one yeah. sounds but um I'm just glad it's going to be back. At least the music's going to be back in print. And if you like the music, then you can at least watch the movie streaming. Absolutely. And I might splurge and get like the two CD one 
just to have it because I don't own it or anything like this is this is new to me. So that might be a good opportunity for me to pick that up. So I don't know what they're going to include in the liner notes because mm-hmm. I mean the booklet that came the booklet that came with this this 1997 one uh, it's in the uh, I think what they would call the uh, the fat back packaging for uh, oh yeah the two CD mm-hmm. which is like two back cases joined together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would hope that I'm guessing that they will that they don't simplify it too much. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to go look at the old liner notes, I guess they're on Discogs. Nice. And I'm sure that this one, uh, yeah, oh yeah, the 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 CD also had the trailer included. Okay. Which uh, is nothing because you can just go on YouTube and look look it up. Right, right. <laughs> All part of the enhanced CD. Oh. For Windows ninety five. Oh, I remember and, uh, those. <laughs> see it's yeah it's like not, that's how old the technology here that's hilarious I'm glad that it's but i'm glad that it's it's coming out in some way shape or form and that people can and i think it's come it's being reissued on vinyl as well so um mm-hmm. and with any luck maybe i mean i don't know what amazon's act with amazon now having hold of uh mgm i don't know what that means for the movie to come out yeah um i mean i mean some people are kind of slowing down with the release of physical media but right i think uh i know there's been some drama with the zappa family and who has the name and whoever but i'm just whoever's in i think it's amit now who's now the head of thing if anybody knows what they're doing or they got to know that there are some people out there who would really like to see this officially released on dvd Mm, yeah and just to have it regularly available and not just a limited edition or anything. Just have it for those who can watch it. But for the time being, you can stream the movie wherever it is or uh, rent it. Yeah. And uh, and uh, come uh, next month of November, it should be reissued. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. A lot to be excited about in the Frank Zappa world. So, well, Aaron, thank you so much for all of your insight and research this was amazing i've learned so much tonight welcome and i'm i'm happy to do this and prior to doing this i don't think there's too many i mean i haven't looked deep into the podcast app but i was looking Mm -hmm. on youtube and seeing if anybody reviewed this movie and Mm -hmm. no nobody's really reviewed this wow nobody's really (laughs) reviewed the movie i mean maybe there's some podcasts out there that do maybe they mention it in the uh review Maybe there's some YouTubers that reviewed the album and then they mentioned the movie. Mm-hmm. It's worth at least one watch. If you it don't is. like it, then don't come back to yeah. it. If you do like it, then enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an acquired taste, but I think it's one that could be acquired by a lot of people. So for sure. So um, Aaron, uh, uh, thanks again. Where, where can we find you out in the land of social media? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram. At, uh, was It was really meant for when I was selling stuff on eBay. I mean, I still do. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm on Instagram at con underscore records. On uh, Twitter, I'm at Aaron underscore con. You can also follow Alms Uncovered on uh, Twitter at uh, Albums U. I'm also okay. on uh, Facebook. Uh, Alms Uncovered is also on Facebook. And please keep in mind for Alms Uncovered, I am not the best at keeping my social media up to date for both of those. 
But uh, whenever an album comes out, or whenever I, whenever a new episode is going to be uploaded, usually when it's an album show, I will try my best to post about it beforehand and then post the links uh, to it uh, from the podcast app from Apple. And uh, yeah, just listen to it on, just listen to them on there. I drop an episode every, uh, my, on average, I will drop two episodes a month. One is the album at as an album itself. And then by the end of the month, I do something called recently purchased, which is me going through the music purchases I've made within the last month and talk about a little bit about them. Uh, and when these episodes drop, it's always on Sunday at four, which is what it used to be for, uh, the college version for my junior and senior year. Very cool. Yes, definitely give it a listen if you if you have not already mm-hmm. explored that. So, and I also have another plug here. Mm-hmm. I yep. also am, uh, and I guess I kind of have another plug here. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to uh, read my stuff on Pop Culture Beast, you can just go to popculturebeast.com, look for my name, and I should have some reviews up. Uh, I think the last thing I reviewed was that King Crimson concert at the beginning of September. Uh, I don't know what else is going to be coming out, but I'm sure there's going to be some stuff coming out soon. I, I may even review these, the, the concerts. I may even review the Sebastian Bach concert, even though I'm not, uh, even though I'm, I mean, the Sebastian Bach concert was only 30 bucks. So even if I get in for for free, I mean, uh, mm. if, if I'm able to find anything, I mean, I'll, I'll probably still review it just so I can have it added to my, uh, as a resume thing. So then people can see what I can do, but yeah. uh, Great idea. You know, just keep it, keep it updated. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Keep, keep working at it. And, um, yeah, for me, you can, um, find me on my personal Twitter handle at Josh F six one eight. And the podcast Twitter is at rock movies pod. Uh, you can email me at movies at rockpod at gmail.com. And of course, as always, uh, please leave a review in any of your podcast platforms. It really helps people to find the show. <clears throat> pardon me and um go ahead and and go look at the back catalog of episodes we're at about 40 episodes right now so that's it's pretty fantastic so didn't think didn't imagine when i started it that i would be having that i would have this much content but it's been it's been pretty great and i look forward to 40 more so um again thank you so much for your time aaron this was really fun and really really informative and entertaining and um i i hope that you have a great holiday